Hey y'all, welcome to the Anxiety Warriors podcast. We are your hosts, Margo and Abby. We are friends, teachers, and storytellers, but above all, we're anxiety warriors on a mission to raise awareness and understanding about anxiety and mental health. You will hear honest, engaging, and joyful stories from us and many other anxiety warriors about living with anxiety. If you're seeking a space to laugh, connect, feel inspired and empowered, and learn valuable tips rooted in mindfulness and more, your warrior community is here for you. Join us as we navigate this journey of life together. Welcome, warriors. Yay. We are psyched to be chatting with all of you again today. Yeah, we're new. It's new. It's new us. New year, new us. We're totally different people. 100% different. Yeah. I woke up 2023. It was like, who is this person? I'm like, I felt just completely different. It's like when you have your birthday, right? You wake up and all of a sudden you're a totally different person. You're in a new year. It's a new you. We get two new new year, new years every year. This is crazy. That's stressful. That's, yeah. Let's give me a light anxiety. Just, just, um, just thinking about it, please. Okay. All right. So, um, warriors today, we are going to be sharing a little bit about anxiety and navigating health issue stuff or things in the health realm, but, you know, not wanting to quote, make a big deal out of things. Yeah. Yeah. Why we address or choose not to address or wait to address various things that we're dealing with. Um, because we feel like otherwise we'll be viewed as crazy or something's wrong with us and we don't want to be stigmatized or have be labeled. Right. Women are hysterical. They overreact all the time. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. And so don't, you know, portray the stigma. (laughs) Don't do it. Lock it up, lock it in. You're probably fine. Don't Mm -hmm. make a big deal out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so when I was like thinking about this, right, um, you and I were talking a bit and, and I had shared with you that we can talk about this in so many different ways, right? Like we've talked about in the past, like, you know, being like harassed at work and we could talk about not wanting to make a big deal out of that because we might come off emotional, hysterical, crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, even in friendship, someone says something you don't like, but is it worth making a big deal out of to have a difficult conversation? Right. And so I feel like it applies to so many. So we'll probably have follow-up episodes about, you know, the fear of not wanting to make a big deal out of stuff. Um, even though most of these things do actually like they deserve to be (laughs) had a deal out of, they deserve to be made a deal out of whatever that means. Right. Made a big deal of, um, But today, yeah, we're going to focus on just really like how to navigate, like when your body is saying, Hey, something's wrong, but you're like, wait a second, is there actually something wrong? Or is my anxiety spiking? And I don't want to go get help because it's probably nothing. I'm probably making a big deal out of nothing. Yeah. I just, when you said that twice in the last few moments of like, it's probably nothing. I felt Mm -hmm. really triggered by that in the, in the sense that it's just like, that is so the narrative in my head yeah. is that it's probably nothing. And it's like, I don't really know exactly where I formed that narrative. Uh, I just know that I, that's the narrative is yeah. I should probably not worry about this because 
it's nothing. And maybe some of it is just like my anxiety doesn't want to think about it being worse than it maybe is. Right. And so I'm like protecting myself in a way by saying, tell yourself it's nothing, Margot. So that way it will, will be nothing. Right. Right. Make it into nothing, force Mm -hmm. it to be nothing. But then sometimes your body actually says it's like, you know, the, the ambulances, the ambulance sirens are going off. Like it's not nothing. Right. Attention to me, whether it's emotional or physical. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm here giving you these signals to your brain. Why are you ignoring me? And eventually it's, I'm not going to let you keep ignoring me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now it's going to be way worse because you let it get out of hand. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the emotional can sometimes then trigger the physical or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, what's the narrative for you? Like when you, like I said, when you said that, it's like, oh yeah, that is 100% where my mind goes immediately. Yeah. So like, is it similar or is it a little different? It's, I mean- yeah, it's it's everything, right? It's like, what is the narrative for me when it's like about getting help, right? Like there's a different narrative there than what is the narrative when is there something actually wrong with my body, right? Like those are two different narratives. Asking for help because mm-hmm. of my health is a very vulnerable place to be. And am I making a big deal out of nothing? Um, and then also, right. And then what you were saying was that, and if there is something wrong, then I actually have to kind of deal with that. And when it, when it comes to health, if you don't have your health, your whole life changes. Right. And so in some ways it's easier to like push it under the rug and it's like, it's probably fine. Cause so far, right. Like the patterns that we have of the past is it's been fine. Right. Right. And so we have that to kind of, so I feel like I relate to your narrative. Um, I also feel like some of the things that I've red also prevent me from not wanting to make a big deal. Like, you know, it's been well-documented that in the medical field, women are often more turned away than men. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a male and a female might go for the same exact symptoms. And the woman is overreacting when she's like actually having a heart attack. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other like thing in the medical field is that for so long, they only studied men and like male rats. They didn't want women's hormones to like, you know, affect their studies. Um, But God forbid we be observed so we can have health (laughs) care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, we still have our hormones, whether you observe them or not. Right. right? Um, But but that's actually led to like and I'm saying heart attack because this kind of goes into the story I'm going to tell. We're like they have classic symptoms for a heart attack. You know, you have tingling in your arm, there's pain in your chest on the left side, right? But turns out for heart disease and heart attack in women, it's actually different. Like a woman might have digestive issues or there was this one woman who had pain in her jaw and it turns out she had really bad heart disease that was leading to a heart attack, right? Mm. And so, but, so my point in all that is that I also have the narrative that even if I go get help, I won't be taken seriously because I'm a woman. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I will also inherit that narrative. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, it it is really true. And like the more you're talking about it in the well-documented history, you know, I, and the same is true for just the well-documented history of women being labeled as one thing or another, like you said a few times, like, you know, crazy Mm -hmm. or 
um, the symptoms aren't as important. They're not certainly worthy of study and observation. Um, you're probably you know, just like, on your period. It's probably just your period, right? Everything yeah. is just a woman's period. That's why she's hysterical. Yeah. I mean, but like, if you think about it and, it, and there's plenty of research to back it up, like according to 19th century, you know, psychiatry, female independence was labeled madness. <laughs> it's true. Oh my it's God. True. I <laughs> mean, just the idea of like a housewife standing up for herself is labeled a crazy person. Like I read this article in time magazine, I pulled it up. Um, and it's about Elizabeth Packard and it's from 1860. And she was put into an insane, an insane asylum because her husband quote, felt like she was out of control. She, he, you know, he basically was like, he looked up what it would take to basically incarcerate his wife because she was standing up to him, her domineering husband. And all it said was, oh, all you have to do is be a man and request that your wife be incarcerated for madness. And it was basically the woman's choice was either to submit, right, to to be reconditioned, quote unquote, in this asylum or to live out a sentence. And what this woman found out was when she was incarcerated in this insane asylum and she was completely sane, by the way, of Mm -hmm. course was that the majority of the women in this facility were there for similar, if not the same exact reason that mm-hmm. all of them were sane. But at the end of the day, um, it was like, it, it was like the jokes on the man, because the more of them that were able to connect with each other in this, in these, um, extremely thick isolating walls, yeah, they were able to be like, actually, right. It, it actually helps them realize like, Oh, we're not crazy. Look at all of us, right? Oh all of us are, why are you here? Because you were reading. Okay. Right. Yeah. That must mean that you're insane. That must mean that you're, you know, anti-feminine and need to be reconditioned. And so like, it's just, it just goes to the greater point of like, maybe it's messages like that, right. That we've all yeah. received for like a millennium exactly, <laughs> pretty much um, that what we go through isn't worth study is it isn't worth you know, um, curiosity and right. it isn't attention worth taken seriously. Like exactly. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's enraging yeah. <laughs> simultaneously as it is heartbreaking for, I mean, and same thing with suffragettes, right? Again, this could yeah. be a, t- a whole rabbit hole, but it's like, right. oh, women must be insane for wanting equal rights to have a right. vote say on who, you know, represents them in their, in their County, their state, their country. Um, so yeah, anyhow, Anywho, moving on, moving on. All right. So I'm excited to hear more about like why this topic really meant something to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want to like hit on what you just said though. And then I'll, I'll dive in. I just, it's like, it's like hysterical, funny, amusing, horrible, demoralizing. Like, I mean, there's so many different feelings that came up with like that story you just shared, but it really just hits home. Like all of the generations and generations and generations of trauma that go through women because for so long we were property. Like even like this is so off topic and then I'll get into my story, but but Dan and I were talking and making jokes about the patriarchy the other day. And then somehow we remembered that like, what is it like on a farm when you take care of animals, it's husbandry? Husbandry, animal husbandry. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I was talking to my husband. Like, I mean, where does that word come from? Where do, we were at some point animals, just like animals on the farm, even though we were humans. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, like when you were saying that it's just like, oh my God, how it's not just like society that's given us the messages to not listen to our body for like 30 years or 50 years. It's like, like you said, like millennia, right? It's like, right. yeah, it's been, it's literally forever. And also like my last thought on it is just like, if the idea that independence and ambition and, you know, assertion for mm-hmm. women is unnatural, mm-hmm. right. Then therefore it's like, oh, you must be, you're sick. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you're a sick person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just thinking about these two things that, that were being lumped together at this yeah. time and that, you know, got perpetuated since yeah. it's just like, and people wonder why we're all still so frustrated with the lack of, um, or this, the glacial pace of progress for, right. for all people. Right. But for right. women specifically, yes. um, certainly for people of color, for women of color specifically, you know, it's just, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> so okay. this all leads up to, um, that I had a health scare recently. Um, and it was really challenging for me to know what to do because of all the messages we talked about at the beginning, because was I making a big deal out of it? Was it my anxiety making a big deal out of it? Right. You know how sometimes you just can't trust yourself because you're like, wait, is this true? Or is this my anxiety overreacting and, and, and making intrusive thoughts and everything possibly worse. Right. Right. So, um, basically what happened was this all like started on a Thursday. Right. And it was so weird in the sense that I felt off and I'm, I'm pretty in touch with my body where I can explain like, oh, I have a throbbing pain or a shooting pain or a tingle. Like I can, I can use the language to describe how I feel. Oh, I have a light fever. I feel like I have a high fever. Right. Right. And I felt, it felt so hard to find language. I felt like lightly dizzy. Right. Not dizzy, but a, a related, a relative to dizzy and lightly lightheaded, but not lightheaded. Mm. Right. And kind of weak, but it's not really weak. And I would just be sitting there and like the waves of it would happen, which was really weird. I'd just be sitting there and then I'd feel like lightly dizzy or lightly mm. lightheaded. Um, and then also when I would be sitting there, um, I, my, my heart rate would just randomly spike up to 130, which is tachycardia. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's like this, you know, for no reason, I'm not working out. I'm not going up and downstairs. I'm not doing anything. And I would be sitting there and my heart rate w- would just spike. Um, and then on top of that, I had some like stomach issues too. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'm fighting uh, something, a virus, a bacteria. Maybe I'm just fighting something. I'm going to take it easy, take care of myself, give myself permission to rest, right? Friday, I'm starting to feel this way again, right? And again, like the, the most unnerving part was where I would just be sitting there or laying there and my heart rate would go from like 70 to 130 and back down. Yeah. And it didn't happen a lot, but it happened a few times throughout the day. And every time it happened, it was terrifying. It's like, why is this happening? And I just want to say, like, I have an Apple watch and I really appreciate that I have an Apple watch because the data helped me see the clearly. 
I was about to ask, I'm like, how did you know the numbers? Like, yeah. was this an, you know, is this what you're going to get into after like when you learned about the spike or was it just that you could feel it, but just actually having the physical number there available to you? Yeah. Yes. Powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I haven't had the Apple watch very long. It's, you know, like a month old, but it was, and it was enough data to show that for weeks, my heart rate was normal. And then all yeah. of a sudden it was spiking and it has like an EKG or an ECG on it. So I kept taking my ECGs or whatever and, or EKGs on from the foot, from the watch. And it kept saying like, you're in sinus rhythm, which is the good, the good rhythm. Right. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have, I'm not having arrhythmia. I'm not dying. Right. So it was showing me that I was okay, but also something was wrong. So Friday, same feeling. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. But if I still keep feeling this way by Monday, I'll call my doctor. Right. Keep telling myself I'm probably just fighting something. Um, you know, so often I'm fighting something. Well, not, I'm not fighting something so often, but so often in the past, if I'm fighting something, it right. usually passes within a few days. Saturday, same thing. I'm like in bed a lot of the day because it's just so I'm like, if I walk the dogs, am I going to faint? Right. Like, I just don't know. And, and I wasn't fainting, but it was like the feeling that maybe I could faint. So by Sunday, I'm like, all right, I guess I'll call my doctor and see what, what, you know, what I should do. Sunday night, Dan and I are watching, um, a man called Ove, which was the movie adaptation by the book by one of my favorite authors, Frederick Bachman. And I was really excited to see it. It's, it's a Swedish film, right? Like I was super excited about it. We're sitting there and like twice, like I keep getting these waves of feeling malaise. That was the best way I could like put it, right? Like mm-hmm. just malaise. And then um, my heart rate was spiking twice and I was like showing Dan. He was like, mm, maybe we should go to a clinic. And the whole time I'm so resistant because I don't want to make a big deal out of this. This is probably nothing, right? Like I'm young, right? Like my body wouldn't have serious issues. Like I can keep telling you all the narratives I was telling myself. I don't want to, you know, get a big bill for nothing. I don't want to waste my time Sunday evening for nothing. Right. Like I don't want to go there and then be dismissed because I'm making a big deal out of nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. all, All those narratives. Um, so there was like a clinic near us that I it closes at like 11 and they require a telehealth call ahead of time to see if it's worth coming to the clinic. And so at like 10 o'clock, uh, I'm speaking to this random doctor I've never met before and I'm telling him my symptoms and he is like, you should go to the ER. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he would reassure me it's no big deal. <laughs> Right. I was like, that was, that was my like looking for reassurance. It's no big deal. And he was like, it sounds like thyroid and you're definitely like having like some, I don't remember if he said arrhythmia or tachycardia or both or something like that, but he was like, you should go, you should go. So I like go downstairs. I'm like almost in tears because I still feel mostly okay. But then it's like, oh my God, what if I am having symptoms for a heart attack? Right. Right. Like what, you know, also like Dan has to work the next day. Like, I don't want to be at the ER until like six in the morning again, like going to the ER, like fortunately we have insurance, but you still know they slap you with a high bill and charge like a billion dollars for a Tylenol. Right. So there's all these thoughts. So we go to the ER 
Luckily, there's no one in the waiting room. I'm seen pretty quickly. They hook me up to an EKG. You know, I'm seen within like probably about 10 minutes. And then like the nurse is asking me a bunch of questions. I'm telling her about the telehealth doctor and he thinks it's a thyroid thing and or or a heart thing, which is why he told me to come. And she's like, so do you have anxiety? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, girl, I do. But this is not it, right? I was like, yes, I know anxiety very well. <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. But I imagine some people don't know what anxiety is. Yeah. Right. And so or they're told, go through the list of things that it yes. might be before it's a yes. quote heart problem or. Yes. Right. Yeah. But mm -hmm. she was asking me that while they had me hooked up to an EKG. So I knew they were taking me seriously, but like mm -hmm. the moment when she asked about the anxiety, I was like, yes, I have a diagnosis, but it's more about like, you know, social anxiety and being in public and public speaking. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Good for you, girl. <laughs> I know the difference. Yeah. Um, sometimes I am a hypochondriac. This is not one. Right. <laughs> so so it turns out, uh, yeah, uh, I have a thyroid issue and this really sucks. And we'll probably have another conversation about this at some point. Um, my blood work came back showing like my thyroid levels, like just totally out of whack. Mm. Um, but it was showing hypothyroid. And so it was very confusing for them because in hypothyroid, it actually decreases your heart rate, not spikes it. And in mm. hyper thyroid is when you get the tachycardia and they were like, so we suggest you do a follow-up with your doctor. We suggest maybe going and seeing a cardiologist, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and so I ended up seeing my doctor a few days later and we did more blood work and basically she tested like antibody. She did like deeper testing and it does look like I have hypothyroidism, which is like Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune. Apparently it's super common, but it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel any better. Right. Right. Sure. Um, the, of course, the funny thing is, is after I saw my primary care physician that day, which was a Friday. So almost a week after feeling the symptoms, I started to feel better. So mm. she had given me a prescription for, for thyroid meds, right? Once you start them, I mean, when you have a thyroid issue, like you're on them the rest of your life. And like, I'm like, Oh God, I don't want that commitment. Right. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but is there a less committal option? <laughs> right. Right. Just like a, you know, monthly injection. So, <laughs> but, but, but what was weird was that after I saw my doctor, I felt better. And then I'm like, oh my God, is this psychosomatic? Like, you know, what's right. going on? But my blood levels were way off. So, mm -hmm. so that blood work came back and I do have thyroid antibodies, which does mean my thyroid was being attacked by my immune system. Mm. Wow. But because I feel okay right now, I don't have to start the meds. Oh yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it'll only be if you, if what happens, like what is the requirement for you needing to start the meds if you are comfortable yeah. sharing? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, basically when your thyroid starts to just like have its issues, right? Mm -hmm. What, what, first of all, what her thought is, is that maybe it was underperforming and I went hypo. Right. And then the pituitary gland was like, what's going on? What's going on? Alert, alert. And then that made the, th the thyroid overproduce, mm. which then put me in hyper mm. for the tachycardia. Right. So it gotcha. was like flailing. But the thing is, is that you can have a couple episodes and then it goes back to like normal. Right. Okay. And in a few weeks, I might feel horrible again in a few months, 
in six years, 10 years, right? So Hmm. I don't know when I'm going to get hit with it again. And then I have to do blood work and maybe an ultrasound and all that to confirm again. But the, the really crazy thing is at the ER, they did blood work for me. Right. And they t- tested my TSH level and my T4 free level and none of that matters. Right. But they were like totally out of whack off problem, problem. Right. Like alert. Something's wrong with your thyroid in the ER blood results. And then my doctor did them and they were both within like normal range. Mm. Right. And so if I had waited to see my doctor that entire time, um, unless she did the antibody test, which is usually what they don't do, unless there's something wrong, um, mm-hmm. we might not have ever known that my thyroid is starting to have challenges. Wow. So that's, that's so all to say is that when I start to feel unwell again, we have to do more blood work. And then, you know, at some point I, when I'm not bouncing back is when I have to start the meds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, it's just a couple of things stood out to me when you were sharing. I mean, a lot of the early part of the, uh, of the story, which was just about like the lack of, uh, trust that (laughs) even someone who like you were talking about how well, you know, yourself, how Mm -hmm. well you can tune to your physical and emotional needs, right? Like how you're able to label different sensations in the body. And even with all that mindfulness and mental training, right. That we both have that you certainly have, which is such a valuable skill. Like, it's just like, yeah, it it was like a mini yay in my heart where it's just like, yes, this is why we practice mindfulness, right. This is why we teach this stuff to kids and, and adults and and all the people, but at the same time, you're just like, wow. And even if the most embodied person with anxiety, because Hey, that's, that's us, right. That's you. Mm -hmm. That's us. Um, can go through these big moments of self-doubt and like the ability to sort of say, well, as well as I know myself, I still have that nagging assumption that it's probably nothing. Yeah. Right. And I should just not, I, I should just worry about all the things and all the ways I'm going to be burdening. And that was the other thought mm-hmm. that I had in the beginning part of your story, which was just like, what a burden that we can feel like to others sometimes, yeah. including ourselves. Right. And it was right. Like, I don't want to waste my time. I don't right. want to potentially have a ridiculous bill, which like, okay, some of that's just practicality again, mm-hmm. our messed up healthcare system in this country, but exactly separate soapbox. But yeah, I mean, and then just thinking about your husband's work schedule the next yes. day, it's like, the stuff that runs through our minds before we care for ourselves, even with all the, um, you know, the understanding that we have of ourselves physically and knowing your, yourself as well as you do yeah. still, right. That moment, uh, which, which was somewhat prolonged, right. There was a couple yeah. of days that went by before yes. you even talked to anyone about it. Right. Um, and so that really stood out to me, I think as a, just a highly relatable moment yeah. and just in the second part, just sort of I guess my question for you is like, what were the, um, what was like your stage or were there stages of just like acceptance about this situation? Are you still sort of in the early stages of like understanding and accepting? Are you not anywhere near there yet? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I guess I'm just curious. Um, and the same I'd pose to any warrior listening. It's just like when we get a diagnosis of some kind, even if it isn't life-threatening in, in a, like, you're about to, you know, we need to save your life in this moment or yeah. something's going to, bad's going to happen to you right now if we don't do something. 
but just the idea of like, okay, maybe you'd need meds for the rest of your life at some point. And just so like, I'm curious, like what your emotional process has been like since receiving the diagnosis. Yeah. Well, what I'll first say, and I think this kind of ties into even what we were saying at the beginning of like, why sometimes we don't go to get, um, seen and, and, and stuff is before I knew it was my thyroid, but I was just feeling weak. I was feeling off. Everything was much harder to do pottying the dog, like just taking him outside to potty, not even a full walk. I was like telling Dan jokingly, but a little bit seriously, I don't know, maybe you want to divorce me because Mm -hmm. if I don't have my health, right. If I, if I just need to lay in bed all the time, like what kind of life is that? Right. Like that's what was going on through my mind, through my Like if this is a condition where the rest of my life, I have general malaise. I'm not sure if I'm going to faint. Like Dan and I can't go on adventures then. I can barely take care of our dogs. Like what kind of life is this that I would, my health would be dooming us to, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, he was like, don't say that. Like, you know, not, not the, like, he was like, we'll figure it out. But he was like, don't, we're not getting a divorce. Like, you know, like we're not getting a divorce and this and that. But But that was some of the thoughts I had is like, I can't imagine living a life where I just feel like a shell of myself. And it also gave me a lot of empathy and compassion for people that do every single day live in chronic pain, live in, you know, have chronic fatigue. And it's so hard physically for them to function and they still have to function in our society. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so that was what happened. And then when I got the diagnosis, um, most of me is pretty okay about it. I mean, I'm bummed. I like just turned 40 and then I have a thyroid issue. Like that shit doesn't <laughs> yeah. bad. It's like speaking of new year, new me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but as a whole, like when you do research about thyroid stuff, it's like really super common. Some thyroid stuff does run in my family, right? that increases your risk for thyroid stuff if someone in your family does. Uh, when I was speaking to my doctor, she was like, no, she's like, I have patients as young as 25 have thyroid stuff. She was like, if you were 16, I'd be worried. But 25 and older, it's very like common. This is what we do. She was very right. practiced in it, you know? Right. So, you know, I'm bummed because I feel like, I feel, I feel like it's like, what could I have done for this not to happen? And what I've latched on to based on research, and this is a different topic and I won't get too far into it, but there tends to be a lot of stories of people getting COVID and within six months having a thyroid issue. Mm -hmm. And it could totally be a coincidence. It could. But for me, part of my narrative is like, well, if I didn't have COVID, maybe I wouldn't have this now. Right. Yeah, so there's a little sure. bit of like anger, disappointment, sadness, because I had COVID about six, seven months ago now. Um, so that's where I'm at. It's like, all right, a lot of people have it. Like, this isn't that serious. Like, yes, I do have to w- once I start the meds, that's it. We're committed. Right. But also mm-hmm. I have family members that have had it. They're totally fine. They're normal people living normal lives. Right. right. Part of me is like, oh. Part of a thyroid issue is a lot of fatigue. So maybe I'll be less fatigued. Maybe 
other areas of my life will improve once I get on this thyroid med. Right. So there's a lot of different things that, that, um, have come up since the diagnosis, but, but I will say is like one of the the biggest things that I'm holding with me. And I'm just going to tell a really short story. When I used to work in Queens, I would always see this guy at Obadega when I would go get coffee and, uh, we'd always be like, Hey, how are you? How are you? I'd always say him on a Thursday. And his response was always, I have my health. Mm. And, you know, I'd be like, well, what else? You know, I was, I was young <laughs> and naive. It's like, and, but, but then after my dad got sick, I got it. I was like, you're right. If you don't have your health, what do you have? Mm. And, and so the other part of the narrative is even though like, this is a thyroid thing and this is autoimmune and it sucks. Um, I still do have my health. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing I want to remember. It's like, I have my health and I can feel really grateful for that part. Yeah. I, it's so funny because I just thought of like how grateful that I am, right. That you were able to gain some information at the very least mm-hmm. that's right. Provide. And as much as like, it's okay, it's shitty. It sucks. Like this isn't like yeah. best case scenario. Right. But it also isn't worst case scenario. And so without offering platitudes, right. We can sort of acknowledge that like, while this isn't the best, it's also not the worst. And there are so many things that you, that can be done about it. And so like, I guess where my gratitude, where my grateful heart comes in, it's just like, you're my friend. Obviously I want every, I, I don't want any health problems for you or anyone else that I love. Um, but that, you know, I'm grateful that you took the step to yeah. talking to someone and figuring it out because yeah. how often, do we just skip that? And, right. and what would have happened? Right. And it's like the what ifs. And it's like, if you had given into all of your worries about like Dan's work schedule the next day mm-hmm. or about, you know, not wanting to be a burden to yourself or him or anyone not wanting to waste your time or whatever. Like if you had just continued to give into that, maybe things would have escalated a lot quicker and you'd already be on that forever med. And right. so it's like, yeah, I mean, and that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but No, but you know, (laughs) you just, when you're saying that you reminded me of something and it's so fucked up, it's so fucked up. But that night when we got into the car to go to the ER, I'm like saying to Dan, I don't know if I hope that there's something wrong with me or not Mm. because I didn't want to make a big deal. And the thing is, is that if there wasn't something wrong with me at all, and of course I want to be healthy. Of course I don't want anything wrong with me, but that would have been information for me the next time that I probably wouldn't have sought help. Yeah. So there was a part of me that was hoping there was something wrong so that it could validate, oh, okay, like listening and trusting my body, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, as you were just saying that about not wanting to be a burden, I remembered that conversation with Dan, which is like ridiculous. Like, do I hope there's something wrong with me? Do I not? Because either way, it feels like a lose-lose situation. Either I made a big deal out of nothing and I'm probably not going to get help the next time because how do I know I'm not making a big deal then? Right. Or, well, crap, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not an ideal situation regardless. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. 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 Oh boy. Well, yeah. So it's just like, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a great moment of pause, I think yeah, for all of us, right. With your story to kind of think about all the times that we dismiss something that we are experiencing, Mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better phrase, then to say this feels 
I should just go ahead and listen to my instinct. Yeah. Come what may, right. No matter what happens, if I don't, if I'm experiencing something in my body that feels foreign or abnormal for you or super uncomfortable, it's just like, can we all practice, right. Even just the one step of like researching it, right. Maybe that's the first step. Maybe the second Mm -hmm. step is having a conversation with a trusted loved one or a friend, maybe, you know, get, Hey, does this has, do you know anyone with these symptoms? Right. And that may necessarily, may not necessarily be helpful, but it might be right. I mean, talking to people that love and trust that you have loving, trusting relationship with, even if they just say like, Oh, I had someone that had that and it was fine. Right. Right. But hopefully that person loves and trusts you. They're not going to say, but you should just go ahead and not worry about it too. That person's going to say, well, you're, you know what you, you, right. At the end of the day, you know what you should do, whether it be reach out, to someone professionally or yeah. continue to do research on your own, whatever it is. Um, but that's but the bullshit piece right there. I mean, not what you're saying, but once you realize there's something wrong, like fortunately Dan and I have health insurance, but all of the barriers in our society for someone to actually get help once there's something wrong. Right. They don't want even just the time. ER alone. Like yeah. you were saying, yeah, the ER is a ridiculously expensive place to go. Yeah. You get an ambulance, you know, like, right. Like, I mean, I've met Uber. Actually, I took an Uber back from my doctor, not the ER, but from my doctor. And he was saying how he gets a lot of calls to take him to the ER these days rather than the ambulance because mm. it's cheaper for someone to take an Uber. It's awful. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I feel you. It's like it's it's acknowledging how you feel and figuring out the next step rather than ignoring it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like more pause, more options. Mm-hmm. Um, or opportunities, excuse me, to pause and yeah. say like, Hmm, you know, like even burden. just reflecting on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could be a good first step for the warriors. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious about your story. Yeah. You know, um, since you kind of told a really recent story, like literally really recent, yeah. I know we've, I mean, the, the warriors assume that we've been talking about your situation since it happened because we have been like, yeah, yes. we're chatting about it with you all on the pod right now. But like, of course I knew most of what you just shared already. Um, or, and, and was grateful that you trusted me to like, you know, be someone that you talked to about the experience. Of um, so, I mean, I wanted to just sort of take, uh, I won't say the opposite kind of experience, but it was way back in the vault of my life. <laughs> Wait, um, you, you to- existed before 40. Oh God. No. I mean, I know my life officially began at 40, but yes, (laughs) I had, I had the 39 years before also. I know crazy. crazy. It's nuts. Nuts. Um, it's madness (laughs) going back to madness. All right. So, um, what I want to share is about how I wanted to advocate for something that I Mm. needed and that I wanted Mm -hmm. and my reasons for needing it weren't, um, aligned with my doctor's reasons for wanting me not to have this thing anyway. So I'm talking about birth control. So I had never been, you know, I have endometriosis. I've had, I've dealt with extreme, um, menstrual pain, just like super problematics basically since the day I got my first period. Um, but I had always found ways to either over the counter or, you know, non-medicinally care for myself through that Mm -hmm. process over the years. Um, anyway, so for kind of maybe dumb 
you know, superficial reasons. When Adam and I were getting married, I, my period comes like clockwork. <laughs> and so I'm able to generally know exactly the day or right around the day that I'm going to get it every month. And so when we got engaged and we picked our wedding date, uh, I saw that I would have my period, um, when we got married and I did not want my period when we got married, cause we were going to be going away for the week with close friends and family having a destination wedding. And so I was literally going to be like at the beach all week and obviously in my wedding dress. And I just was like, that sucks. Yeah. And so I started researching what to do about it. Right. And so one of the options was birth control. And like, I read about how you can, you know, how to dose it specifically, mm -hmm. which medications were the best to go on for this type of, um, you know, call it shallow, call it whatever situation. Um, and so I decided, ahead. okay, you cool. were making a plan. I would call it right. shallow. <laughs> I planned for, you know, my, well, I mean, again, it's like I, for all the reasons that I probably could have and would have had to go on birth control to like help sort of support me in my menstrual journey. Yeah. I wanted none of it. <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm good. But then when it came to the idea of having my period during my <laughs> wedding, I was like, nope, fuck that. <laughs> so, you know, again, this is my 27 year old self and that's what I wanted. Um, and so I, you know, I went into my gynecologist's office with this whole plan in mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, this man was at the time, he was the man that delivered me. He was a wonderful doctor, a very sweet man from, yeah, he was, he was, um, I think he was from Hungary. I'm not sure he was, he was, you know, he had immigrated here. Like, you know, how, I mean, dozens of years ago at that point, he was mm -hmm. in his like seventies at the time. Um, and so I talked to him about this plan and he was very adamant about me not, <laughs> he was very adamant about me just going ahead and not. And I initially I was really shocked. Yeah. So like, I kind of went into like this, like hibernated state. He was kind of talking in a very kind of formal and, um, I think he was trying to scare me. Right. Which like, okay, I understand that there's a risk to taking lots of things. I understand that there's any, uh, any risk to taking any kind of medication ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in my head, it was like, isn't anything kind of a risk. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of what he was sharing were things about like family planning that I didn't have plans for. Right. And he had known for a long time and also had some feelings about that as well that he didn't kind of hide from me, but I always kind of like tossed it aside and like, I don't give a shit. I get shade from people all the time. I've been getting shade since I was 19 about not wanting to have children. And so, you know, that was like tenfold when, when I brought this up to him. And so like, it took a lot of, um, patience, uh, you know, and a lot of like sitting, sitting quietly and processing what he was saying mm -hmm. before, I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I, uh, I guess I'm just going to leave today and I'll think about it. Right. Yes. I'm going to go to Planned like, Parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> God, no. Yeah, no. Um, so like I left, you know, and I remember having like this discomfort for like yeah. the rest of the day and the week and like thinking to myself, well, what is this discomfort? You know, like I truly, yeah. I wasn't connecting it to the conversation. I just thought like, I'm just feeling my anxiety is spiking. It happens, you know, I'm having, having a rush, a rough stretch at work. Like I was kind of like 
yeah, shooing away my feelings about the situation and assuming that they were related to other stressful mm-hmm. situations in my life. Right. And then, you know, it, it was like a week later and, um, Adam was like, you know, I feel like we didn't really talk about what happened at the doctor. And so he was like, you know, so what's going on? Like, are you going to be on something or whatever? And I was like, no. And I kind of like, that was the first time I talked about it. We, I came home from the appointment and we didn't even talk about it. And it wasn't because he didn't like ask, but I don't, I think he kind of just assumed that like, it was either happening that it was happening. Cause that was my plan. It was, I was going to go in and get this thing and it's happening. And so anyway, you know, ultimately we realized when we discussed it, that like, I was kind of you know, I was being suppressed. I was being oppressed in the moment yes. by, by the doctor. And so it was like, shit, like I had this revelation while we were talking about it. And he was just like, well, why don't you go see someone else? And I was like, it, it was important to me that I go back to him huh. and sort of confront him about the situation. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. You know, I booked another appointment for like, I, I mean, I feel like it was wound up being a couple of weeks later, but like, you know, again, I had still had plenty of time to figure this out. This is yeah. why you do this in advance when you want to try to skip a period or whatever. And so I went back and I confronted him about the situation and I didn't really call him out because again, my late 20 self wasn't really there yet, even though I've always been a vocal person and opinionated person. When it comes to my health, when it came to health stuff, I always had a little bit more of like a lump in my throat. Mm -hmm. I was always a little bit more fearful of doctors and the authority that comes with doctors. Right. And I hadn't really spent a lot of time around folks and with people, at least not at that time of my life that were like out there vocally advocating at doctors. And it was sort right. of like re- being raised in a culture of like the doctor gives you an, you know, a prescription, you take it. The doctor gives you advice, you follow it. Mm-hmm. And so kind of talking to him in, 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 bolder terms was a real act of bravery for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, and I, and I got what I wanted, right. At the end of the day, I was like, I'm not leaving here without this. Otherwise I'm going to find a new doctor and it is what it is. And, and then he was like, oh, okay. Like, and it was completely fine. Right. It was mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like at that point then, I don't know, I'm assuming he didn't have any shame about the conversation we had prior, but I do think that it was like, all right, well, I gave this person, this person left my office and didn't just like adamantly say one or the other. And so I'll assume that she took the time she needed to think about it. And she's come to the same conclusion. Fine. And like everything worked out. It was fine. Right. But the reason why I wanted to tell this story is just because I feel like, and and again, I'm talking about my, my rights as a woman, right. I'm talking about my reproductive organs and reproductive freedom and um, bodily autonomy and choice as far as like what happens to my female reproductive organs when I want them to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, Hey, I took, I took this step to make a choice for my physical body that I wanted, regardless of how like silly or shallow or, you know, whatever it might be to some folks, mm-hmm. to me, it was important and really, really, um, it was just very important to me yeah, at the time. Right. And at the end of the day, I'm so grateful because I had I wasn't in extreme double doubled over pain for an entire week while I was getting married. Right. I was able to do what the pill was designed to help me do. Yes. And then I went off it after two years, right? Like I wasn't going to ruin my reproductive organs by staying on the pill for a ridiculous amount of time. And look, I'm not trying to stigmatize and shame women that are on the pill for however many years of their life, you know, like yeah. that is that is up for every person to decide for themselves. And so with that, with that being said, I just, um, wanted to kind of share the opposite end of the spectrum. It was like, here I was like 
advocating immediately for what I wanted. I had a full plan ready. And then I was being kind of like, you know, pushed away. It was trying to be pushed out of my brain. Yeah. And so then it was about trying to find the will and the strength to say, no, I'm in charge of everything that's going on here. Right. Especially since there's no real issue, right? I don't have any, there's no medical reason why I can't do what you're, what I want, right? And you're not bringing me with anything that's like tangible other than like big pie in the sky, like, you know, what ifs, which it's like, I don't play in what ifs, you know, not for like a short period of time. Right. And I was like, look, if I'm starting, if I take the pill and it doesn't feel right, I'll go off. Right. Right. Like it's right. a decision I can make in the moment. It's not like, oh, I'm going to commit to this for the next year or whatever, just because it was like, let's just see what happens. If I'm right. uncomfortable with it, then I can make a new decision, right? Yeah. I can kind of yeah. go back to the drawing board and figure out, you know, if it's worth it or not. And so, um, yeah, I think my, my big feeling about the entire situation was that like, we can't allow for outside forces, whether they be our doctors or the media or the things that we were raised with dictate what we do with our bodies and when. Yeah. Yeah. My big feeling is I'm pretty annoyed at your story. (laughs) I mean, mean, you know, like, like since the whole like Roe v. Wade got overturned, like I have read so many, so many people's personal stories about male doctors trying to dissuade women from going on birth control, right? Mm -hmm. Not even about abortion or not, but like just being on birth control, right? And, and it's not always even to not get pregnant. It's for some women because they have endometriosis, you know, it's, and, and, and so it's just, uh, you're probably the first person that I've spoken to that I didn't read an article of someone writing about. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, this shit is real. Like, yeah. And it was, and that was so many years ago at this point. It's like, I can't, I imagine it's a million times worse in some ways, hopefully better in other ways, because there's more and more vocalization. I think about this stuff, there's less and less, you know, suppression and silence, at least that's like the, one of the nice things about social media, right. It's like things that dawned from it, like the me too movement, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so many powerful movements that have got gained steam and attention that probably never would have. And all of us would have been sort of like dealing with it behind closed doors and to ourselves and and silence because we didn't have the space or we didn't feel safe enough to bring it to the world. Right. We didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. Right. I had no idea how rampant misogyny was until like more recently. Right. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when like when it's literally in your face twenty four seven. Oh shit! This is misogyny. You don't just read about it in like a what's his name Pope in the 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 rape of the lock. That author I studied eighteenth century lit at some point. Pope <laughs> is his last name. Anyway, he was a total misogynist, right? And it's like, oh no, it's not just an eighteenth century lit. Yep. <laughs> it's in your face all the time. You know, it's women can't make decisions for their own damn bodies. The men need to decide that for circling it all the way back to the beginning. Again. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we have to remember and it's not easy, right. To that we have incredible amounts of agency and rights if we only just grab them and wield them. Yeah. And, and, and be vocal for other people who don't have the ability to speak up for themselves. Right. 
Right. Because that's the other part is some people might not have another doctor they can go to, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people might not have other options. And if their doctor says no and won't give them a prescription, what do they do? Right. And so that's the other part is like, we need to keep speaking up about it, you know, Mm -hmm. because again, it's like women don't get the same rights, even when it comes to like medical attention. Right. Yeah. It's like if a dude wants ED medication at at any age, right. I'm sure his doctor's just like, you got it, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't have a history of heart conditions in your family. I mean, like maybe, I don't, maybe it's even easier. Maybe they don't even give a shit about the, the man's history. They're just science scripts. I don't know. Yeah. But at, I mean, if you're listening and you're a man and you've had experience with that and you feel comfortable sharing, I'd love, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, DM us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's been your experience? Have you been gaslit by a doctor and for what, right? Like what have yeah. you been gaslit for? Gaslit right. for? And, um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that to some extent, it's not just women, right? I'm sure that men go through their own version of this and maybe yeah. other areas of life and less about healthcare stuff, but maybe more about other things who knows. And I won't claim to speak for them. Right. But at the same time, I just know that I felt deeply uncomfortable by the situation. Yes. And this many years later, when, when I thought about this topic, it was the first thing that came into my mind oh. was that the discomfort that came with being told all the many reasons why birth control is a terrible choice for you being dismissed. I mean, I think any, I think any doctor without a uterus, right. I think any human without a uterus should have to get one of those, you know, those things that they're like the fake cramps, they're like those electrodes and they put them on and then and contraction from zero to 10 but just for cramps and they have like what like endometriosis feels like Mm -hmm. i feel like every single month everyone without a uterus should have to wear that for at least two days straight at least two days yeah yeah minimum yeah 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 so then maybe they could treat all uterus owning humans with a little bit more respect and understanding Yeah. No, it's so true. And how many things we have to do with that kind of pain every, every month, every month. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a separate, we we did get into this in our anxiety as a woman, part one and two, y'all can go back in our feed and check those episodes out. If you haven't yet, I believe they're both from the spring. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but you scroll back a little in TMI too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, It comes up a lot. Unfortunately, we, there's lots of anxiety as girls and females and women. Um, I mean, it happens to us monthly. Yeah. It's hard to ignore. Yeah. It's really hard to ignore. And we still have to function in society like everyone else every month. (laughs) Exactly. From the time we're like 12. Yeah. Since we're tweens, basically. All right, warriors. So, you know, I think that it would be just maybe like a an interesting or fun exploration or experiment for you to take some time today or this week and kind of reflect on your own experience with maybe the healthcare system, maybe just, you know, something physical you went through and you were concerned about sharing it with others, going to a doctor because of it. Did you gaslight yourself? Were you gaslit by those healthcare professionals? Were you worried about being too much or a burden or making a bigger deal out of something that needed to be made a bigger deal out of? Mm -hmm. Um, If anything that, you know, you kind of heard from us today made you feel anything about this, you know, maybe good to some to journal on or sit in meditation with, or take yourself for a walk or, um, or hop on an email and email us your story. Yeah. 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 True. It's because I feel like 
with all the things that we've shared about on this podcast, we talk about our physical and mental health the most, obviously, and how much attention gets paid by doctors, typically more so to physical health than Mm -hmm. mental health. And of course our podcast, our show is about anxiety. And so we talk a lot more about, you know, the kind of emotional weight and baggage that comes with anxiety, but we've spent a lot less time talking about its physical manifestations when it comes to, um, all of it, but certainly when dealing with our messed up healthcare system. And if you're not from this country and your healthcare system does things differently than ours, We'd love to hear that too, mm-hmm. right? Like what are the ways that are not working for you in your country? What are the ways that it is working? Cause we know it's not perfect anywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we think you should take a few minutes or a while to think about it this week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Warriors. Abby is going to share her win of the week. Win of the week. So if you've been a long time listener, you know that I love the Denver zoo. I just, I love it. I love painted dogs. Um, They take a lot of animals in (laughs) and, you know, it's not like a horrible zoo. Like when I would grow up and be like, oh, these poor animals are in cages. And to be fair, yes, there's animals in cages, but it's like to rehabilitate and, and to protect certain species and everything. It's like really well done. Some of the enclosures, you don't even get to see the animals because it would stress out the animals like the tigers. So it's like, never even seen the tigers when I've gone to the zoo because they want to keep the tigers, you know, emotionally safe. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love the zoo. So I follow them on, on Instagram and in their stories, um, they were having a like giveaway. So you, you know, I clicked on it. I went to their website and I put in my information and I won five free tickets to the zoo. Woo. So I'm going tickets, five tickets, five five. And I really love the zoo. It's outdoors. You see a lot of animals. You can buy a stuffed animal at the end. Like, I mean, the zoo is amazing. Um, and so I'm going with Sarah. Nice. Zane is going to be in town with my cousin <gasps> Garrett. So they're coming. Yeah. Um, that's so. going to be like an anxiety warriors, like mini reunion. I know. I know. Shout out to met. Sarah Bartlett and yep. Zena Minkara. Two Good former job. guests yeah. from our show, one from season one, one from season two. Yep. Love, love, love. That is yep. awesome. What a huge win. Yeah. So I'm excited. Um, Woohoo. Yeah. I, I won and I'm winning again. Yeah. I won the tickets wins. and it's going to be a win when we go. And you're bringing other people into the winner's circle. Yeah. It's not just a win for you. It's a win for everyone that gets a free ticket. Ooh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Love. Yes. I can't wait to see pictures. That is so exciting. Yes. They'll be loads. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, warriors, we love you so much. Take some time to um, think about this topic that we shared with you this week. If you'd like to connect with us for any reason, you can find us on Instagram. We're at anxiety warriors podcast, or you can email us at anxiety warriors podcast at gmail.com. You can shout out your wins of the week. You can give us topic ideas, things that you'd love to hear us chat about on the show. If you think you'd be a great fit as a guest or you're a warrior, you have a story to share. We'd love to hear from you, get you on the calendar to come on zoom and chat with us about your story. And please take two seconds, smash that five-star rating on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in right now, like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and then hop into our show notes and click that threadless merch shop. Grab yourself some anxiety warriors podcast merch to support our show in style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
us. Well, thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We are so grateful we get to do this with y'all every week. We love you. Till next time.